For streaming, creating, gaming, and more, power your passions for less during Dell's exceptional Cyber Savings event. Enjoy up to $400 off stunning laptops like the XPS, along with high-performance desktops and next-level Alienware systems, redefining what's possible with 10th-gen Intel Core processors. Shop special prices on top-brand electronics and accessories, plus enjoy free shipping on everything. Don't forget to ask for Intel when you call 1-800-BUY-DELL. That's 1-800-BUY-DELL. Hello, beautiful people. It is Thursday, February 20th, and we got a great one for you, man. Today's good. We cover everything. We're back from vacation. And by we, I mean me. The boys took some time away, but I was on a goddamn island. The same island that had a coronavirus. I'll talk about it. Yeah, it, while I was there, I got a heads up that, hey, you know what? No big deal. This particular illness, okay, that has captivated the world like the fucking Black Plague used to back in the day. They built a hospital in 10 days to quarantine the humans that got this, this virus. The doctor that found the virus, dead. 20-some thousand people, dead. Don't worry, though. We got them all quarantined. Don't even worry about it. Then I head to Hawaii after a long fall. You know, head over to Hawaii. I like going to Hawaii. I do. I like. It's a very spiritual place. I kind of unwind. I used to, whenever I vacationed, I used to go to pool bars. I used to get hammered all day, pass out, go to clubs. 3, 4 a.m., go to bed, wake up, do it all over again for six days. And then afterwards, I'd be able to come back and operate as, as perfectly fine. But now I'm 32 years old, got hemorrhoids and stuff. Like when I go on a vacation, I need to just go ahead and shut her down, pal. Never can. Had to negotiate like 45 deals while I was out there. But I got a chance to stare at the Pacific Ocean, which to Zito's credit, there wasn't salt when you're, not, when you're staring at the ocean. You can't see the salt in the water. <laughs> But when you get in there, there is salt in there. So had, took a cup of that, brought it back for Zito, you know, because of the the egregious statement that he said that the Pacific Ocean had no salt in it while we we're in San Francisco, which was a wild scene. But I got away, had a great time with my fiance, did the whole thing, excited to be back. Got a lot of tweets asking me if the show was dead. I, I appreciate the fact that we're a part of your life. I mean, nine days. Can I take off nine days? Just nine days. I just wanted to stare. We, Ty Schmidt needed some time off, too. I mean, maybe Ty could sleep a little bit. We are so sorry we took time off. We're hoping to come back with some great stuff. Ty Schmidt's back better than ever, though. I, I, Ty looks rested for the first time, I think, since I've ever met him. Yeah, it's been great. It's been great. I mean, I, I think we, we put a, a show out at, at least so far this year uh, since football season started every Tuesday, Thursday, Friday for like, what, 25 weeks in a row or something like that, and all while traveling on six, six planes. planes a week. Yeah, like, Six planes so. a week. I, I am very – I mean, by the way, and that's our business, and we're very lucky to do it, and I'm very thankful that people choose to listen to this. But, man, I had some people saying some mean stuff to me whenever I was out there. Now, granted, I did not care. Like, I, I was very comfortable staring at the ocean. You know, there's a line. <laughs> That's a real thing. Like, when you're staring out at the ocean and you just realize how tiny you are in the grand scheme of things, it's a very humbling, relaxing feeling. Because Hawaii, like, if you open up your Google Maps and just do one little pinch of your finger, it's gone. Don't even fucking, you're just, it's a blue dot in the middle of the fucking ocean. That's where you're at. And it's like, you know what? The people are nice. Food was good, and just so happened to have two people with the coronavirus, and at the same fucking week I was there. <laughs> I actually thought to myself, this is it. I'm going to die from a virus that's the modern-day Black Plague in the Hawaiian Islands. All right. Not a bad run. Yeah, that would have been an okay way to go out. Yeah, I would have thanked everybody for the great fall run that we had. 
Big shout out to the Brazos River, whatever it did, everything it did. But now we're back, and today is a good one. And uh, thankful that you all waited. Thankful that you're choosing to listen. And if you haven't, The Pod, which is another podcast that is being released from our office, just debuted yesterday, uh, formerly of Heartland Radio. Todd has gone on to do stand-up comedy and also do Crime Docs uh, podcast, kind of do his own thing. So we had to rename it because that was kind of his show. So we renamed it The Pod, and our first episode was yesterday, and Gary Brackett was our uh, guest host. I guess he joined. I don't know. Diggs is the host of the thing. Yeah. I mean, don't don't look at me. Don't look at Pat. Diggs is the host Dig, of that show. Diggs is the host of that show. So it's his thing. But we had a great fucking time, just like we did today. And we're very thankful. We'll continue to, to hopefully be able to give you another, what, 40 weeks straight of content. We exactly. hope to do so. And uh, we absolutely love you. Just as much as we love SeatGeek, first ever sponsor, uh, presenting sponsor of this particular podcast, and the greatest ticket buying platform on planet Earth and the moon. That boy, Ty. You see what you just did there, Ty? We're back. We're all the way back. And if you're going to get a ticket to a live event right here on planet Earth or up there on the moon, which over in Hawaii, by the way, whoa, looks so much better. Full crescent. Oh, my God. Is the stars out there? it's it's like you're in a goddamn it's like you're in your science book that you it, it, you're in there you're all i might have you know i grew up in pittsburgh which i think for a long time was actually voted like the sootiest city in the world i, I think like that's an I don't, steel mills I, yeah that was steel mills. it was like the sooty is that a right sooty sooty yeah it was the sootiest city <laughs> it was the sootiest city in the world so i didn't see a lot of stars i'd see the moon like me and the moon had a lot of conversations growing up i was like hey pal you know when you're looking up at the sky trying to figure things out when you're a child mm-hmm. you just look at the moon it's like so and then you realize as you grow older like no matter where you go that moon's always going to be there like there's one constant it's that damn moon right yep it was kind of like a cool thing but when you get out to like those places that are out in the middle of nowhere, like hawaii which is out in the middle of nowhere the stars are phenomenal. I mean, I, I think I saw motherfucking Orion's belt. Like, I, I think Probably. I saw Orion's belt. I, I heard about it. I seen it on Men in Black. I saw the son of a bitch in the sky. <laughs> and if Orion up there wants to get a ticket to a live event, he should use SeatGeek. Okay? And if you use SeatGeek promo code PAT, you get $10 off your first order right now. Promo code McAfee, $20 off your first order. They have tickets to everything. You're alive, but are you living? Go live and experience something live with our friends at SeatGeek. They're the greatest. They scan all the other ticket buying platforms, make sure you're getting the best bang for the buck the best value for the ticket that you buy i mean it's just they're your friend in the ticket business and uh they've been our friend for a long time and we're very thankful for that let's get to it i think the biggest news of today which all shows led off with and for us it was a only a matter of time before this decision was made this guy had to make this decision before the offseason started for the new orleans saints to make their decision because if you know the New Orleans Saints have a, a problem that, that's a good problem to have, a problem that a lot of teams wish they could just have one piece of. But they have three potential viable NFL quarterbacks that they had to make a decision for coming up this offseason. You have potentially the greatest quarterback of all time. Now, Tom Brady's best football player of all time, GOAT. He's absolute good. Aaron Rodgers, most talented quarterback of all time. They're, they're, these questions. Drew Brees has every single quarterback record that you could possibly have. And he was facing for the first time in a long time a decision on whether or not he was going to continue to play. He's 41 years old. He told us at the Super Bowl that he had been playing football since the age of 11. 
30 years, three quarters of his life, three decades of this organization, of your life just being on a schedule, okay? Here's when two-a-day start. Here's when training camp starts. Here's when this starts. Here's when this happens. He told us every single decision that he ever made about his body revolved around being a good person that can throw footballs. That's all it is, for 30 years of his life. So whenever the conversation started about him potentially retiring, we assumed it was because the Minneapolis miracle broke his Little Texas heart. I mean, that had to absolutely be a heart. That team, if people, everybody forgets, that New Orleans Saints team that won in there was a hot team. Now, granted, the Vikings won it at home, and the Saints didn't have home field advantage, obviously, like that. but they were hot. Like, that was a team that I thought was potentially going to go win that thing. And then Stephon Diggs, who we will talk about today, <laughs> As unfollowed to Minnesota Vikings, welcome to 2020. Welcome to Inside Sources. Our Inside Sources, our eyes and scroll says, Stephon Diggs hates the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> Stephon Diggs was trending yesterday because he deleted everything off of his Twitter and his Instagram from the Minnesota Vikings. And on the flip side, Adam Thielen has been tweeting, Kirk Cousins every single day. Good morning. So Kirk Cousins <laughs> and Adam Thielen's relationships growing. Stephon Diggs and the Vikings relationship seems to be disappearing. I don't know if we can dive into all that or, or, or whatever. We will. We, we don't have any inside information. I said when Stephon Diggs threw his helmet in the middle of a playoff game against the Saints while in the lead, that that was a little bit of a questionable move. Vikings fans came after me. said I was misjudging him because in the mic'd up thing, he told Kirk Cousins, don't you have to throw me the ball. You don't have to throw me the ball. It sounded like he was saying, start throwing me the damn ball. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so that all happens. But in the world that we live in, decisions have to be made. So Drew Brees said on our show that this was going to be an entire process to figure this out. And after the Minneapolis miracle broke his heart with Stephon Diggs, and then after the phantom pass interference call that made the NFL change a rule, which the NFL doesn't normally do, but in another heartbreaking loss in the L.A. Rams Miss pass interference game to end their season. Then now you got the Kyle Rudolph thing, which any human outside of New Orleans says is not a pass interference. But if you're in New Orleans, you can say, hey, that that was pass interference. I would. If I was a fan of the Saints, and if I was a punter for the Saints, I'd be like, oh, Kyle Rudolph just basically shoved our guy through the ground to catch what, 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 what we need <laughs> well, to do. It was the same thing that Kittle did in the Super Bowl. Exactly, and they call that. Yeah. So these are three heartbreaking endings to seasons where everybody's like, hey, this Saints team is going to make a run. This Saints team is going to make a run. And Drew Brees, self-admittedly, only knows ball. Like, absolutely no Varsity Blues, I feel like, is Drew Brees. Like, <laughs> Drew Brees is a Texas high school football quarterback. That's what Drew Brees is. Loves football. So, for 30 years, he's had this. And at the end of his, like, his run here, there's been three really good chances to win Super Bowl. You've kind of, in his eyes, you could say, like, we kind of got screwed here. And then he's not voted on the NFL's top 100 team, which, by the way, I wasn't voted on either. I, 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 uh, I, I'm very upset about it. You don't know that. You might have been. By the way, I was asked to be on the show. I never responded to the email. If I responded to that email, am I on the team? I have no idea. By the way, if I'm on the team and Drew Brees isn't on the team. <laughs> anyways, Drew Brees just yesterday decided he will be coming back for his 20th season. I'm very happy for Drew Brees. I mean, I am absolutely pumped for Drew Brees. He did it in a fashion that... <laughs> By the way, my my comment is tough. But he did it in a fashion that he might have been at Hawaii. I have no idea. It looks like some maybe maybe Central America, maybe somewhere along those Peru. lines. Peru. Mm -hmm. Yeah, something mm -hmm. along those lines. He's standing atop a mountain that's ah, 
looks very high, I mean, dangerously high. And he says, my feelings about the 2020 season, I look forward to the grind and the journey for the reward at the end will be worth it with three exclamation points. Love you, Houdat Nation. Let's make another run at it. So him and his wife, I saw them posting photos, went on a vacation with somebody else somewhere. Obviously, they do vacations a little bit differently than me. They're hiking this mountain. <laughs> I, I, am, uh, I am just inhaling every vitamin on the island. I am doing everything that I can. But he goes on this vacation vacation and I bet you he had conversations late night with either his wife or his friends or his family and they go we can do one more year I mean we could do one more year because that's a family decision by the way he said he wanted to see his kids more he wanted to see his wife more he wanted to do this type of thing it's a family decision he ultimately makes a decision he wants to come back and play football good for the NFL good for the New Orleans Saints terrible for old Taysom Hill, who was potentially going to be a franchise quarterback is what Sean Payton said. Remember, Sean Payton last year, before they had to actually, you know, when push came to shove and put Teddy Bridgewater in, he said he viewed him as Steve, I think, Steve, Steve, Young. Steve Young. He viewed him as a Steve Young as the heir apparent. Then Drew Brees gets hurt. They put uh, Teddy Bridgewater in. Everybody's like, well, if you thought this guy was your Steve Young, why will not you put him in? Mm -hmm. Then Teddy Bridgewater goes undefeated. So now Teddy Bridgewater is a free agent. Yes. Taysom Hill is restricted free restricted agent. free agent drew Brees. hi i'm coming back pay me 25 <laughs> or 30 million whatever you what whatever we've already decided you're going to pay me Taysom hill who said that he wants to be a franchise quarterback and all this stuff soon as he learns of drew Brees coming back he says this he says that at the end of the day i look at drew coming back and maybe i'm not playing quarterback which is ultimately where i want to have an opportunity to play in the nfl just a few weeks ago by the way Taysom hill was saying he was going to be a quarterback somewhere and everybody who's ever seen him throw football in the nfl was like yep that probably makes sense like this is probably a guy you would want to be a quarterback he said i want to have an opportunity there are still going to be opportunities for me to make plays i can tell you a unique experience for me that most backup quarterbacks don't get is I'm in the huddle with Drew on game day. That, to me, is invaluable. So, obviously, Taysom Hill is excited Drew's back. Cameron Jordan's excited he's back. But now we know Teddy Bridgewater is definitely out of New Orleans. Taysom Hill is not the backup quarterback there. Teddy Bridgewater, alongside Tom Brady, alongside potentially Cam Newton, alongside Phillip Rivers. Uh, it, I mean, this just goes on and on about there is an incredible amount of great quarterbacks mm -hmm. that are currently on the market. And I think the NFL... And Commissioner Roger Goodell, who, by the way, looks like a Nobel Peace Prize <laughs> winner compared to Rob Manfred, right? This guy, it's not, it's night and day. It looks like a varsity commissioner versus a freshman class president mm -hmm. in Rob Manfred. If you, now, and, and by the way, I don't think Goodell makes all the right decisions, but if you look at it as commissioners, like Silver is the guy. Everybody loves him because he hasn't had to piss off an entire fan base yet with yep. a decision, which is ultimately going to happen, but I think the way he handles things is very well. Goodell, by the way, has to handle terrible things, sometimes does dumb things, but at the end of the day, it's the highest grossing company. He does very well. This Manfred guy is just an absolute, absolute. He's an ass clown. That's he's the dude when, he, when he's speaking when he's speaking to the he look he's talking down he just doesn't look like somebody that should be even giving a presentation in front of a class let alone a guy that should be a commissioner of a dying sport we'll talk about that in a little bit but this is good for the NFL that Teddy Bridgewater yes. who was recently undefeated is out there Tom Brady is saying hey I'll beat with any team you want. Just fly to my house here in L.A., okay? Not a big deal. Chargers, you're already here. We can chat. I heard you guys are potentially. By the way, I think GM of the Chargers is on our show next week. Oh, Ooh. let's go. I think Tom Telesco, who was originally with the Colts, is coming back for the combine. I think we're going to have a pretty good guest list next week here at the combine. It's a plan. But he's coming on. 
I'm not going to say I'm going to ask him if he's going to sign Tom Brady because I don't want that to leak to him and him cancel on us. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to ask that question. <laughs> and these are things that are going to have to happen. <laughs> Guy joining us didn't get a chance to win a piece of metal, but he was up for it. Fullback for the San Francisco 49ers. A man who is a four-time pro bowler, a Harvard guy. Handsome as hell. Had no idea you were that attractive. <laughs> Kyle Juszczyk. How's it going? <laughs> What's going on, man? How you doing? I was just I was just steamrolling that Manfred guy, the MLB commissioner. Have you kept up with any yeah. of this and how terrible it is? You know what? I haven't. Uh, I've never been a big baseball guy, so I, I'm not really even sure what's going on. Oh, me neither. The only time I pay attention is when they do something dumb. Love the steroid era whenever the big buffoons were hitting balls all over the place, and then that obviously <laughs> came crashing down. And then now they got buzzers and signs telling them. Anyways, it's a nightmare situation. Let's pivot against that. Um, Kyle, what, what are you doing this offseason? You're a Harvard grad. I assume you're just starting a bunch of companies, investing in money and all that stuff. <laughs> Yeah, a few startups, uh, you know, been on Wall Street all week. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, you know what, my wife and I uh, got a new house out in New York, so we've been moving out here and uh, just kind of getting settled in. Are you from New York? Is that why you moved back there? No, I'm not. Her family is. Oh, you're a gentleman. That's very nice. Yeah. Uh, hell, yeah. Of, hell of a season for you this year. Uh, Thank the, you. The 49ers, at the beginning, the defense was the big thing, and then obviously the offense came into play. I think that New Orleans Saints game was the coming out party uh, after the Baltimore Ravens loss. If you had to look back on the season, what was your overall takeaway from it, and how did Shanahan address it the day after the Super Bowl loss in the wrap-up meetings? Man, looking back, I think it – you can't not think it was a great season. I mean, we came, we were a four and 12 team last year uh, and to go 13 and three, win the NFC championship and unfortunately lose it, you know, in the last six minutes there in the Super Bowl, um, you know, it definitely puts a huge damper on it, but Kyle did a good job in addressing the team a few days after when we had our exit interviews and really made me feel a lot better, put a lot of things to rest. And uh, he just kind of went around the room. He had some of the veterans speak about, what was different about this team than teams they've been a part of before. And the common theme was just that, man, the camaraderie in this group was just different. Um, it, there just never seemed to be a task that was too tall for us. <clears throat> we always had each other's back. Uh, we genuinely enjoyed working with one another every single day. And everything that we did that year, like uh, there was a huge accomplishment. So uh, that made me feel a lot better you know, after that tough loss. It's the X factor that doesn't get talked about enough. I've been a part of a team that was very, very good. And they 100% revolved around the type of guys that they bring into the locker room, right? Bill Polian, yep. Peyton and them, they had their set crew. It was Peyton. It was Saturday. It was Gary Brackett. It was Reggie Wayne. It was these guys, Dallas Clark, uh, Joseph Adai, you name it. It was that crew. And then you bring people into the culture, right? And they're like, we got to. Yep. Then I was on a team where they were just looking at who was the fastest, who was the strongest, who was this. And you miss out on that camaraderie level that really takes your team to the next level and i don't think it ever gets talked about enough honestly no i i totally agree with you i i don't and it's it's hard because how do you calculate that you know it's easy to look at somebody's 40 time okay he's better than the other guy because he's faster well i mean there's no there's no way to, to calculate or put into numbers what kind of camaraderie what kind of um attitude you bring to a locker room you know i people you know, when we traded for Emmanuel Sanders, for example, people very easily could have said, oh, this guy's 32 years old. 
Um, you know, he hasn't had a, a, like a, gr- a great year in, in Denver. What is this guy going to add to, uh, you know, an offense that needs some good receivers? But, man, he brought more than just the talent that he brings. He's a tremendous talent. He's our man-to-man beater. He's our go-to guy when it comes to those kind of things. But the camaraderie and, like, the attitude and the leadership that he brought to the locker room, I don't think you could ever calculate that or people truly understand uh, what he did for our team and for our offense and for that wide receiver room. Uh, so I feel like he's a great example of, um, you know, it's not always about the numbers you see on the sheet, but there's a lot more intangibles that come into play. Let's talk about some of those numbers that did show up on the sheet. You guys rushed for 186 yards before contact, before contact in the <laughs> NFC championship game against the Green Bay Packers. Was that a game at what point as a fullback for a team that's doing that? Do you go, man, we can do whatever the hell we want today. Is that like mid first <laughs> quarter? Is that first play? When do you guys start realizing like, hey, Jimmy, we appreciate how handsome you are. We appreciate all the routes <laughs> that you could throw, but we are just going to run this down their throats. And as a fullback, that has to feel damn good. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. There was, I think there was a drive where we had eight plays and all eight of them were run plays and we finished in the end zone. Um, so once you do that, you really do have that mentality. You're all looking at each other like we can do whatever we want. And that's, I, I think that's the competitor in you. And I think that's what really, um, I don't know. That's what motivated our offense. Like once we start running the ball on people, you just get this confidence about you, this, this energy. And, and it's, it's from top to the bottom. Like, our wide receivers are feeling it. They get a good block. They're chest bumping each other after the play. And I feel like that's really what drove our offense this year is running the ball, getting that confidence and that feeling that, man, we can really do whatever we want. I feel like you're not that large of a guy. Is it leverage? What is yeah. it? Is it everything? Lever- no, yeah. you're absolutely right. I, I really, I'm not, I'm not your stereotypical, uh, the fullback. I don't weigh 260 pounds. I'm, I'm I played this season really at 230 pounds. And it really is, um, it's leverage, it's using speed, it's angles, using a defender's rules against them. You know, it, I know when a and when an inside linebacker, whether he has to have inside or outside leverage, and I can use that to my advantage. If I know he needs outside leverage, well, why don't I just keep taking a little bit wider, a little bit wider? He's got to match me because he has a rule. He has a job to do do and that's to keep that outside leverage so let's make that even wider and that just makes the hole bigger for the back behind me ah, that's a big brain of yours do you, <laughs> do you love or hate the fact that anytime anybody talks about you they go this guy went to harvard <laughs> do, you, do you enjoy that or hate that uh, it's definitely a double-edged sword uh there hasn't been a day that i've been in the nfl that it hasn't come up uh, but... <laughs> like i said it's Double-edged. It can be used for me. It can be used against me. Um, so if, if I'm going to speak up in a meeting room, I better have the right answer. Otherwise, yeah. it's going to be used against me. Yeah. If By the way, if you ever around us and there was a question asked and you answered, you'd be like, all right, well, that guy went to Harvard. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of – what was it like to go to Harvard and play football? Was it uh, was it as like similar to other people's experiences? I would assume it was very different than mine. I was drunk six <laughs> days a week, and I would assume you were not. 
Yeah, uh, it's tough to say because I didn't get to experience, you know, those those big schools. But from what I've heard, uh, there actually are a lot more similarities than you might think. Um, Harvard does like to party. We like to let loose on the weekends and enjoy ourselves. Um, there's a lot of a lot of tension during the week, a lot of stress <laughs> that needs to be blown off. So we have fun. Um, but honestly, it it was different in that we're at the highest level of academics and we're a division one football program. So it's not like we spent any less time doing football than the Ohio States, the Georgias, the USC's, any of that, the time was still there. So you had to still be able to find time for academics, for a social life, um, which was honestly the toughest part. And the, the biggest tool I learned from going there was time management. What did you major in? Economics. What are we going to do? Are you going to do Wall Street? Is that what you're going to do? Or are you going to be a Fortune 500? <laughs> no, no. Yeah, honestly, I have zero interest in economics whatsoever. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Post-football, I'll, I'll probably get involved in real estate because it's something I already do now. But um, I don't know how much that economics degree is really going to come into play. Uh, your Harvard degree will do. Mm -hmm. Hey, Kyle, you're your Harvard degree would do just fine, <laughs> I think. Uh, Super Bowl ring would help too, but I think you guys are setting Definitely. yourselves up to do that. Is the core of your team coming back next year, and how do you feel about going into next year with the Niners? Yeah, it sure seems like it. That was another one of the uh, the main themes of Kyle's um, exit interview or exit speech to us. And him and John Lynch was that he wants to keep this group together. Obviously, we know in the NFL it's, it's pretty much impossible to keep everyone but they definitely want that core because we feel like we do. We have the recipe for success. You know, we have a dominant defensive front um, that can makes it tough for any offense to score a lot of points. And then we feel like we have an offense that can really we can give it to you however you want. You know, we've won games throwing the ball. We won run one games just running the ball. And then I know you'll appreciate this. We feel like we have a phenomenal special teams. Yeah, I mean, uh, I do. I do. our rookie punter was phenomenal this year. And, you know, Robbie has a long career of, you know, um, great kicking stats. So we feel good about that. But, no, I think we really feel good about the crew that we've put together and what we have going forward. And I think, really, John and Kyle are just going to add to it in the draft and free agency and I don't see why we can't be an even better team. We're a nationally syndicated uh, sports talk show, so we had to talk about the potential of Tom Brady becoming a Niner and Jimmy <laughs> G being traded to the Patriots. That was quickly snuffed out as as completely false. So I, we had to talk about it. It was something. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't see that happening. But. <laughs> <laughs> no, but can you tell us about Jimmy G as a quarterback? Whether it's in the huddle or the locker room or what is he like? You know, because he seems like this yes. guy who's just like tom like very calm very cool and if he hits that one deep ball to emmanuel by the way we have all forgotten about the deep ball he hit to george kittle that got screwed over in the first half but he hit if he hits that one deep ball to emmanuel sanders in the second half of the super fourth quarter of the super bowl it's a completely different conversation happening about jimmy g right now than it is everywhere else but what is jimmy g like as a quarterback as a leader as your guy yeah completely different like you said he's probably leaving there as the super bowl mvp super bowl champs He's the next Tom Brady. You know, it's going to change that narrative completely. Yeah. Um, but that's football. It, I mean, it really does come down to a couple plays, and we're judged by those plays in critical moments. Um, but the great thing about Jimmy is that I know all the criticism that he's getting right now. 
it really doesn't affect him. If anything, it just motivates him. He does such a phenomenal job of just blocking out that noise and really just keeping it to what matters to us, to what his teammates think of him, what his coaches think of him, and just how he's able to run this offense. Um, Jimmy has just been, since the, the first day he got there, there's something about him that just commands respect. He has his aura to him, uh, just the way he carries himself. He's just a guy that really puts in the work and someone that we all follow uh, really just because of the way he leads in, by example. Uh, so Jimmy really doesn't have anything to prove to anyone in our facility. I know people outside of it still, you know, question things about him, but we have a hundred percent commitment and, and belief in Jimmy. Most handsome guy you've ever seen. I definitely top, top three. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Does he know that you don't? Does he know that you think he's just top three? Not, does he know? That? <laughs> I, I hope he still take that as a compliment. <laughs> uh, what is the off season workout for you? What is an off season workout for you? Do you do you take a couple months? Do you take like a month off here, let the body recover, and then get back into it, or do you kind of have to do your thing? Yeah, you know what? This is this is a new experience for me. I haven't played into February before, so I'm kind of taking it as we're going um, right now. For the month of February, I'm just I'm I'm actually I'm outside my gym right now. Well, as soon as we're done talking, I'm gonna go in there. Um, so, I'm just doing like two or three weeks, two or day, three days a week right now. Nothing too intense. Just still trying to keep the body moving. Um, I can't just sit on the couch for too long. I, I really just start to feel terrible about myself. So I like to keep <laughs> it moving. But uh, beginning of March is when we'll really start to ramp it back up again. I'll start going three four days a week and really start throwing the weight on starts you know my sprints and all that kind of stuff hey well kyle i appreciate the hell out of you man you're a great player dude you're a lot of fun to watch thanks man you're not really a fullback but you're like a running back that they put at fullback so i respect the fact that you're keeping the fullback name alive and that you're an absolute stud and you're willing to put your nose out there but your athleticism you've really transcended the position of fullback i think thanks man I, yeah i really appreciate that uh Again, the the fullback term is kind of, I, it kind of gets used as a double edged sword for me as well. Yeah, you know, if I don't run a good route, oh, he's just a fullback. <laughs> but if I have a crushing block, oh, he's a fullback. You know, so it's, <laughs> hey, it's not a bad uh, thing it, to it's use. A it. Difficult term. Yeah, it's not a bad. Who do you run with? Do you run with the uh, speed group or do you run with like linebackers? Mix it up. Uh, mix it up. Usually, uh, I would say most of the time with the linebackers and tight ends. Smart. I used to run with the offensive linemen. That's <laughs> there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, four-time pro bowler, fullback, absolute stud, and a man who uh, graduated from Harvard, Kyle Juszczyk. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Hey, you got to come back. You're really cool. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. What's that 100% juice? Is that a company you own or no? Yes. Uh, go check it out. Juice44.com. Are you serious right now? Yeah. What is Get it? Get your hoodie. What is it? It's just a it's just a juice box. So with you my oh, name on it. My God, your nickname is the juice. Your nickname is juice? Yes. These yes. are these are things I should have known. These, <laughs> I just got back from Hawaii. I didn't know. Your nickname is Juice. So what is the website? Juice44.com? Yep. J U you trying to spell juice or my last name? That's what I don't know. Is it J-U-I-C-E 44.com? Oh, yeah. It's J-U-I-C-E. Yeah. Okay. Juice44.com. We're buying a hoodie. It's going up right here. There you I'm go. I'm getting a hoodie right here. Love it. Look at the swag. I didn't know we had this much merch. Look at this.
<laughs> okay. Hey, that's that Harvard brain coming into use. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Kyle Yuschek. Yeah, you need yourself on. Appreciate you, Juice. Thanks, guys. Smart guy. Yeah, smart guy. Juice 44. Would have never guessed he looked like that. Very handsome. Very, very handsome. Yeah. And by the way, the the fullback thing, I could see how – now, granted, he gets into the Pro Bowl because he is a fullback, right, Mm -hmm. which is awesome. Like Dwayne Allen, for instance, was a tight end, Mm -hmm. but they listed him as fullback one year, and I think he made the Pro Bowl as a fullback because there wasn't a lot of fullbacks. So it's like it's one of those things – he is a weapon, that guy. He's a full H back, that guy. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was about to say. He's more of like the like when Chris Cooley was like the H back. That's yeah. that's his his role pretty much. Good guy too. Moving out to New York for his lady, mm-hmm. Juice44.com. Let's go buy some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to interrupt this conversation. I just want to let you know that if you wanted to have sex tonight for longer than you've ever had sex in your entire life, you should be rubbing Roman swipes on your dick. <laughs> That's such an aggressive. You can say that. I think that's such an aggressive story. Sorry for interrupting whatever you're listening to, but I do want to let you know that right now, if you go to GetRoman.com and use promo code USA, you can get free two-day shipping right now. Free two-day shipping. So in two days from now, Saturday, you can get these Roman swipes that come in very, very discreet packaging to your house so nobody knows that you're getting this performance-enhancing swipe for your dick and sex. You put it in your back pocket right before it's time to make love, right before it's time to go ahead and showcase your absolute abundance of love for another individual. When it's time to fornicate, when it's time to take a trip to lovemaking pound town, you go ahead and put the Roman swipe, you pull it out of the discreet packaging, rub it on your kit and caboodle, let it dry, and then you go to work. You put on a show in the bedroom. You'll last longer than you've ever lasted. And guess what? It doesn't transfer to your partner. So they have no idea. You have no idea. Like, you know, the Astros were cheating. Okay. Mm-hmm. The Astros were cheating. Nobody knew about it. Even when they're banging on trash cans and sending the buzzer in, nobody knew about it until everybody found out about it. And now the Astros are the dumbest. You'd be getting the buzzer on your chest that the Astros were using and Jose Altave used, but nobody will ever find out about it. That's what the Roman swipes are for you having sex. GetRoman.com, promo code USA, free two day shipping. Let's go to work this weekend. Okay. Let's put on a show for our, for our ladies or men, whatever you're into, but let's have long sex, better sex. Let's have great sex with our friends at Roman. I mean, that was an aggressive ad read. Back to the show. Absolute legendary human being joining us. An all-pro, defensive lineman, hilarious individual, LSU, Buffalo Bill, man, Kyle Williams. (laughs) Are you in a doctor's office? What are you doing? No, this is the house I built. Thanks for judging me. You're a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm happy we can get a piece inside well, of your home. I, I, figured the, I figured the last time we were together, I was like in the wild blue yonder. So it's kind of like, where's Waldo? If we talk to Kyle, where he may be, where he may not be. Yeah. So I'm kind of playing a game with you. Yeah, you were in a couple hollers down yonder there the last time we talked. I think you were out there <laughs> killing some birds. Great place to be. Yeah, it is. Uh, I can't thank you enough for joining us. I love our conversations every single time. Now, let's Man, go. I'm so glad to be here because every time I turn on the TV, you're jumping in a lake, oh, you're, you're running over here, you're putting a mascot head on, a seal on the XFL, talking to coaches. You know, you keep getting me on the show, I'm going to have to ask for a piece of the next nest egg you got. <laughs> hey, that could be something we could potentially do. Uh, yeah, a little workout, workout a little deal. Yeah, I'm all yeah. about that. Door deal. Okay, let's talk about deals then. Uh, D lineman is up, 
right? Chris Jones, who everybody says is the second best D tackle in the NFL behind Aaron Donald, who's the guy. Everybody knows that. And he likes his pizza without sauce, which is very interesting. I tried it. It's actually not that bad. That's a character flaw. <laughs> Anyways, Aaron Donald, I would never say anything bad about him because he's an animal. He's great at football. But Chris Jones is the number two guy, right? He's up right now. If you look at D tackles or defensive linemen who could potentially go get paid somewhere else, like Indomitian Sue took $100 million from the Dolphins, very much understood they were never going to win a game with that. Do you think Chris Jones does something like that? Do you think he does a team-friendly deal to stick around? Because they got to pay Patrick Mahomes. they got a lot of people there. What do you think happens yeah. with Chris Jones? You know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, it, it's hard to say what his decision will be without really knowing the guy. Yeah. Um, but – Great player, you, you 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 hit that on the head. You know, I, I I would I would probably put those two the same exact way that you did. Now, one thing to keep in mind, he just won his Super Bowl, right? Oh, so yeah. he he's got the ring. So what do people want? They've already got the <laughs> ring. They don't have the bag. What do they want? They're going to get that bag. I mean, and the guy's a great player. Somebody's going to pay him. He deserves it. You know, and I and I'm sure that. And just judging by how he plays, his teammates matter to him. His team matters to him. So there will be some some heart involved there. But at the end of the day, you know, you got to strike while the iron's hot in this league because it's not always running hot for you. Yeah, I think he's got to go take the bag wherever it is. He said on numerous occasions that he loves being a chief. He loves his teammates, which, by the way, I respect and appreciate. You want a guy that obviously loves and appreciates your teammates. But if you're a D tackle and somebody's going to give you bank, you have to go get that, right? Am I, I am 100%. Do you agree? Yeah, you better gobble that up because you go first play of preseason. It could be a game. It could be a practice. A 320-pound offensive lineman falls on your leg. You know, maybe that burst isn't quite what it used to be. Maybe, you know, there's a lot of factors in. There's a lot of bodies flying around down in there. There's a lot of people that get hurt in there. There's a lot of different things that can happen. But that's really not just – Defensive tackles, that's everybody in the league. You have to strike while the iron's hot. How do you feel about team-friendly deals and the thought that, you know what, Tom Brady did it for like 10 years, but he was getting front-end signing bonuses and other things like that, but he was still taking team-friendly deals for a long time. Anytime somebody's contract is up now, Anytime. And if you look at the history of success for quarterbacks, the usually now, aside from Tom Brady, who has debunked almost every single theory, a lot of these younger quarterbacks on smaller contracts seem to be the teams that keep it moving. Now, how do you feel about players potentially taking team friendly deals or do you think everybody should get it while they can? Depends on where they are in their career. If you got a guy like Tom Brady who's been around and and he sees an opportunity to have a championship football team where he's been most of his career by all means stay or you get an older player that says hey you know what is it really worth it for me to leave a place that i've been for a long time that my family knows to move across the country for an extra million or two you know so i I don't know there's different scenarios but when you're young when you don't have the long-term security that maybe an older player has i think number one you need to take care of your family and yourself and, and have an opportunity to to do something generational for I guess your people. I I'm so torn on it too because generational wealth is a whole different ball game <laughs> as opposed to just you know accruing 20 million, which is a lot of money. But a lot of guys have to stretch at 20 million like 60 years now. Which by the way, still good living. Still by the way, not saying that that is bad I mean, at all. You know, if you're talking about like the course of a career making 50 plus million dollars, I mean, you're talking about you know quite a lick and something that no matter you know what your heart feels there's there's also 
common sense of like, hey, you know, this needs to this needs to happen. I need to get this done. Okay, you're down in Louisiana. Drew Brees just announced yesterday that he is coming back for the 20th season. How do you feel about Drew Brees coming back? I'm happy for him. Do you think that affects a lot of things in his free agent quarterback market? And how do you see it all turning out? Well, that's the first domino to fall, right? So, in, in which I think you, you could have seen that coming. You know, Drew's still playing at a really high level. You know, he he'll get an opportunity this year to throw for two hundred bazillion yards, the most <laughs> ever. I think you know whatever it is. Yeah, he's just going to keep adding on to that. But obviously, for the Saints, great player, really great for the community down here because I'm so close, I get to see it. So that's just the first domino that falls. I mean, I, I can't remember. I don't think there's ever been a year like what we're looking at coming up here in the next month. You know, potentially, you know, probably the greatest of all time. He may go to a new team. Phillip Rivers, you know, Hall of Fame type quarterback. He's leaving. You know, and Drew decided to stay. So there, there's so much going on that I, I tell you the the league's got to be smiling ear to ear right now, sitting up in the ivory tower in New York, like man. You know, this is we can do any whatever we want right now because everybody's paying attention to this. Gonna dominate the headlines for the next two months. Gonna absolutely oh, for sure. Every sure. Let alone now LSU guy, Joe Burrow, he's starting to creep into headlines now, training with Carson Palmer's brother Jordan, right? He just had this fantastic run with Joe Brady, who's now at the uh, Carolina Panthers, Heisman winner, national champion, Ohio kid, and everybody's talking. Now the conversations are swinging towards if Cincinnati was to give up that pick or if Joe Burrow was to say, excuse me, I don't want to play here. I want to go somewhere else. A la Eli Manning or John Elway did in the past. It wouldn't be unprecedented. We're in a very different time in the NFL. That these conversations are all very real and very possible, I think. Sure. You know, I think uh, there's so much choice out there at this point, you know, between, you know, contracts and quarterbacks going here and there and, do I want to get drafted by this team, that team? Your little known fact, I did that. I turned down the first overall pick because I wanted to play in Buffalo. <laughs> so, you know, I had an opportunity to talk with Mario Williams. I said, listen, I'll barter the first overall pick for being the first overall pick of the fifth round. As I <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm probably, honestly, the wrong guy to ask about it because I, I, I still believe that it uh, – you know, we guys in the NFL, you have an opportunity to make a king's ransom play in a kid's game. You get it's a privilege to play. Now, listen, I also understand there's there's business aspects of all of it. Um, but if you'd have gone back three years ago and and asked Burrow or myself or whoever, hey, we're going to draft you first overall. You know, who do you want it to be? Uh, I don't care. I, you know, I don't care. 100%. Um, but I do understand there's a business part of it, and you know, it'll be interesting to see how. His side of things handle it. How uh, how all the quarterback things fall? Does that affect anything? You know, I just don't know. I think that's what's great about it. You never see this many marquee guys at the marquee position potentially playing musical chairs. The the thought though that Joe Burrow is playing Joe Burrow is playing into this too. By the way, he mm -hmm. in his answer, I forget what it was in the Fort Worth Telegram or something like Fort that. Fort mm -hmm. Worth Star Telegram. Fort Worth Star Telegram. What's its name? I think. That's a bad name. Maybe that's why the newspaper business is dying. Really. That, that's a bad name. It's a mouthful. It is. Anyways, in the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, if that's the name of the 
Joe Burrow said that they, he has leverage. He said, I have leverage right now. It, this is a guy who, now granted, I'm a Joe Burrow fan. His Heisman Trophy speech was absolutely incredible. I, I think you could see that he was a real guy. But this is a guy who's never played in the NFL telling 32 teams in the NFL, like, I have leverage right now. He very much understands where he's at. Now you got Tua's family coming out and saying, we don't want to go to Detroit. Like, hey, there's no way we want to go to Detroit. We see what's happening with Matt Patricia. He's probably getting fired after this year. We don't want our kid in that situation. And we'd rather live in Miami. Now, that's not the exact quote, but that's basically like the gist of everything they said. We are in an insane time for professional athletics, Kyle. Well, I think, too, so you're looking at that and it's this big, big, I have leverage or it's the illusion that you have choice, you know, and and I'm with you. You know, Joe Burrow probably had the greatest season a quarterback's ever had. But at the end of the day, you know, a team can always play the trump card and go, hey, we're going to draft you and we're going to hold your rights. So I'm always of the uh, motto of less is more like, hey, I'm going to show up and play and I'm going to give my give my best effort. And then, hey, if if we need to talk about something behind closed doors, you know, we can we can talk about it there. Um, But it's like you said, it's definitely an interesting scenario for all involved and more than anything for all the NFL fans this year, because it's going to be for no lack of fireworks this offseason. 13 years with the Bills. Is that right? We're trying to do the math on Wikipedia. 13 years. Well. I have 13 fingers and toes being from Louisiana, so it's easy for me to count. (laughs) By the way, love the Louisiana people. They got put on quite a spotlight with the national championship run. What a crew of humans you guys got down there. Oh, yeah. Big time. Everything's a party, my friend. That's real. That Baton That's Rouge. Real. That Baton Rouge song afterwards, whenever uh, it was in the the, the calling Baton Rouge. Yeah, Baton Rouge. The whole place, and then the dancing, and then the cigars in the lock. I mean, it was just a. It was an awesome. Louisiana got put in a great spotlight whenever LSU won the national championship. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I I tell everybody there, there's no greater place to play college football and be a part of that. I mean, it, it really is. It's so much fun just to be in the atmosphere and feel the energy and, you know, just really year round, the, the, what people get fired up about here. You know, we're, we're inventing holidays so we can have a party and, and, and enjoy life. <laughs> okay. Well, let me get back to what I was asking. Another group of humans that love to party Bill's mafia. You were there for 13 years. You got 13 fingers. The thought of you only played one playoff game in those 13 years. If you were to one playoff game, and obviously it didn't end up well, but you got a chance to at least taste the dance a little bit. Joe Thomas, whenever we talked to him, he was arguably one of the best offensive linemen to ever play the game. Zero playoff games, like z- yeah. not even a thought of a playoff game. I think he protected maybe 700 different quarterbacks. <laughs> if you could go back, what would you tell your younger self about the run you're about to have in Buffalo? And I would assume you wouldn't change any of it, just like Joe Thomas said he wouldn't change anything in Cleveland. Yeah, I, I wouldn't change any of it. And honestly, I think my mindset is what uh, pushed me through what ended up being some lean years. And what I mean by that is uh, I'm here to work. I'm here to be the best that I can be for my team. I think that if you spend so much time around team sports, and I, I had great coaches growing up. I played for Nick Saban and Les Miles in college. So I think a lot of the kind of the coach speak and the about team and about us eventually sinks in and becomes a part of you through osmosis when you hear it enough. So for me, it really, like the place that drafted me, the guys that there with the people, the community, it really meant a lot to me to be there. 
Um, so I think my mindset, I wouldn't have changed anything about my mindset uh, of just doing the best I can today and worry about tomorrow when it gets here. And the only easy day was yesterday. You know, obviously I would have, I would have loved to have them pick, you know, the greatest quarterback ever before I got there and fallen into that. But that just wasn't the card I was dealt, you know, but uh, I gave my teammates in that place and, and all the coaches that I ever had there all that I could possibly give them. God, what a human, man. What an absolute beast. They should have given you the ball more at fullback. Yeah, yeah I think that was so. I agree. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> hey, listen, when that happened, I mean, some, some are saying greatest touchdown run in history in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> All I can end up telling you, one for one, baby. I touched it, handed it to me, touchdown. You, you show me another percentage like that, <laughs> then we can argue. Until then, it's a moot point. I'm the man. <laughs> hey, those are Hall of Fame stats. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you know, I can, I can take, I'll take, you know, a gold jacket as a fullback. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you played for Nick Saban down there at LSU. That was before he went to the Dolphins? Yeah, right before he went to the Dolphins. Had three years with him. He recruited me. I played three years down there, and then my last year was with Les. What's he like? I, I, he's such a mysterious figure to me because every time I watch him in these things, like him in that Belichick thing I watch, he showed a little personality. But in the press conferences, you see nothing. I assume he's like a terror to work play for. I might be completely wrong, though. It seems like he's a, a, like a good dude. He, he's tough now. I mean, he demands a lot out of you, and when you don't give it to him every second of every day, he's going to call you out. Uh, he's a great football coach. And one thing that I appreciated about him is he was intense and he was the same in February on a Wednesday as he was on Friday in October. And, you know, and you know, as well as I do, you can live under those circumstances in a competitive environment and on a team is consistency. I could ne I hated riding the roller coaster with anybody up one day, down the next. You never knew what expectations were from one day to the next. He was very, very clear. Great football coach. You know, probably while I was in the middle of it, much like everybody else that was there, they were like, this is every day and it's relentless. But as I got into the NFL and now that I've moved on, I've got a whole lot more of that in me than I do a lackadaisical, just kind of happy-go-lucky attitude. So he instilled a lot in me that I carried with me all the way through my career and still carry with me today. Rich Rodriguez was the same way. I mean, he was a lunatic, a maniac of a man. Like By lunatic, I mean like super intense human being. And there was a lot of conversations that me and my teammates had where we we're like, this is terrible. We're all, are we all done with this? Are we like in the middle of like a very good run, like very good teams. We're like, this is, this is a nightmare. Like we're waking up at 4 a.m. for this call, uh, tour of duty off season workout. And everybody's like looking at each other like, why are we doing it? Like, this is and then it was every single day but then now that i'm getting older like i look back and i'm like i needed like i needed that has helped me so much as i get older and it's one of those things where you don't appreciate what you have until you're out outside of it well i tell everybody you know when i went to school we had freshman camp uh so when you got to college i think we were actually i had the pleasure of being the last freshman camp ever which is congrats total, hey yeah hey, total hey, crap hey, but, you know, you went in and you had full-fledged practices with 25 guys. I can remember running down on kickoff coverage, turning around, grabbing a bag, and doing uh, kick return, you know, in a freshman camp in Baton Rouge, Louisiana in August, and getting full body cramps during the day, taking IV bags. They're like, hey, you need to get off the table after your sixth bag of IV fluid. We got practice this afternoon. <laughs> going, 
going back and laying in a dorm room that I'm pretty sure had asbestos while we were in there sleeping, <laughs> you know, and you're sweating. It's 87 degrees in the room because it's 107 outside. You've got a circulating fan rolling around. And you're laying there and you're staring at the ceiling and go, this is what you wanted to do. This is what you wanted to do. You chose to do this. This is what you picked. And you're laying there at night and you're staring at the ceiling. And you're like, oh, you start breathing deep. And then all of a sudden you're like. <laughs> hey, by the way, that 87 degrees in an air-conditioned dorm room, is what made you survive having one playoff game in 13 years, Kyle. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah that's true. And I, I totally agree with it. I'll be the first one to tell you that so much was built into me, you know, really in high school because we had great coaches here at my high school. And then as I got in there, it just really kind of doubled down on all of that and really built who I am. Yeah. Well, Kyle, we appreciate the hell mm-hmm. out of you, man, every time you come on. You're awesome, dude. I am so glad to be here with you. Let me know when you're ready for me to hit another golf ball over your head. Oh, I completely forgot about that. Oh, yeah. Kyle oh, Williams. How could you forget about – I'm never coming on his show. No, 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 no. Like literally, no, no. Like literally our bonding moment, and you don't even remember it. I feel I feel so cheap. I mean, we had a I'm good time. I'm the guy, <laughs> guy you call and talk to. Kyle, we had a good time. We, our group had a lot better time than you were having, I think, <laughs> at that golf outing. I agree. I agree. You, got, you guys um, lived it to the fullest down there. Kyle Williams, by the way, incredible defensive lineman. Uh, incredible speaker, great opinionator of, of the football world. He's a house builder, I guess. He builds a house. Scratch golfer. Like, yeah. not not just a joke scratch golfer. Scratch golfer. Soft hands. Soft chip this thing over my head. I was standing five feet in front of him. I, I, he told me right before he swings, he's like, last time I did this, I hit the guy right in the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and he chipped it right over my head. It was amazing. What? Why did why did you change your voice just now? Because uh, you're from Louisiana. That's what I got. Baton Rouge. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's on me. Next time I see you, I'm punching you in the kidney. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Kyle Williams. Appreciate you, man. Hey, I'll see you. Good to see you, pal. He's the best. Yeah. Warriors. Hey, very good golfer. Oh, he yeah. had the best score on uh, the last day of that, that tournament in the Bahamas. It was against Steph Curry's dad. Yeah. I think, right? I think it was shot, one under. Yeah, he shot one under. against. But you didn't against see Del. that on television. No, no. CBS showed none of that. <laughs> By the way, if we ever got the rights to uh. that golf tournament, it would be great entertainment. Thank you, Kyle. Uh, he's the best. Yeah. Absolute best. Can't believe I forgot about him flopping a golf ball over my head from like five feet away. Very impressive. You see like Phil Mickelson do it on the internet. You see other people do it on the internet. We'll, we'll post it today. Kyle, check out the Twitter, at Pat McAfee Show, at the Pod PMI, at Ty Schmidt, at Nick Moraldo, at Tone Diggs, at Viva Lazito, at Boston Connor, at Nick Moraldo. I think that's it. Nailed it. Yep. We'll post the video. When was the last time you were driving through a storm and thought, you know what? I fucking love not being able to see when I drive. Uh, never. Yeah, you probably have it. Now driving in bad weather doesn't have to be a headache thanks to the new Michelin Endurance XT silicone wiper blades. These blades last through everything to prove it. Michelin just put their new Endurance XT silicone wiper blades to the ultimate test on a world record breaking 16,000 mile drive from Alaska to Argentina to show just how durable these blades are. Rainier Zeitlow? Oh, unit. Unit of a man. Okay. We finally Googled this Rainier Zeitlow. We've heard about Rainier Zeitlow. Mm-hmm. We know that if Rainier Zeitlow is involved and it's a vehicle, this is some real, real shit going down. 
We Googled what Rainier Zeitlow looks like. Unit of a man. Rainier Zeitlow was the man behind the wheel, and he put the Michelin Endurance XT silicone wiper blades through ice, snow, rain, thunder. Feel the thunder. Lightning and the thunder, thunder and the wind, and the blades took all of it. These blades are crafted for extreme weather performance with an advanced quad tech, four-layer coated silicone that repels water, snow, and ice, and lasts two times longer than the other blades. The Michelin Endurance XT silicone wiper blades are real-world proven for extreme weather performance. Upgrade to the Michelin Endurance XT silicone wiper blades today. I believe they're only at Walmart. Go check those out. Let's get back to the show. Now it's time for us to speak about a sport that sucks, baseball. <laughs> Listen, now, I, um, a lot of people know my story. Tim McAfee literally did not allow me to play baseball or Jason play baseball because he hated the sport so much. he rather we played soccer than baseball because he said baseball lacked movement, it lacked athleticism, and I think sports selfishly for him it lacked any entertainment value as a parent watching something right so he put us in football or in soccer put me in soccer and jay in soccer which by the way i mean a lot of movement a lot of activity a lot of athletics but that's a boring sport to watch as well so that's how much tim hated baseball so growing up i wasn't around baseball much i don't know the inner workings of baseball i don't know like the the cool things i, I, I like the the inside baseball stuff I, I don't know what those are like the banging of the drums the the stuff like that where people or the banging of the trash cans which was originally completely acceptable by the way like the little intricacies of baseball that separated from other sports that make it the true pastime of America. I don't know those things because I didn't grow up. And I can just tell you, I grew up in Pittsburgh. The Pittsburgh Pirates stink. Every other sport was really good. The Pittsburgh Pirates stunk. They, they, for 20 years, they didn't have a winning season, so I hated the sport. Then I played professionally uh, one night for the Washington Wild Things, runner-up in the Frontier League last year, no big deal. Uh, and I had a whole new respect for it, right? I had a whole new respect for baseball. I enjoyed playing it and everything like that. But still, as a spectator of the sport, can't stand it. I don't know how people watch MLB games. I have no idea how you do it. The only reason that I found is to go to a baseball game is in Pittsburgh when you go to PNC Park and you just go just to get hammered in the parking lot. Yep, you're beautiful. just going to get hammered in the parking lot and then you're strolling into the stadium and then you're like, oh, watching another team win uh, that isn't the Pirates. You're hopefully taking a fishing net in there, catching a baseball. You're yelling at the, the little ball boy working on a third baseline if he gets foul ball to throw you a ball. Like there's everything but baseball going on. Then we went to the Yankees game for the playoffs. It was awesome to watch. It was mm -hmm. very cool. I mean, it was a cool environment. But overall, in my eyes, baseball is still very, very difficult to watch. It's a difficult sport to watch. I like the playoffs. Other than that, I think the sport stinks. I, I, I think it's just there's a lot of things they could do differently. I think the season's too long, blah, 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 you name it. But now that I know who the commissioner is, I have never felt more right about something in my life. The fact that the sport of baseball picked this Manfred guy to be their head guy is the most damning thing that could happen to a sport that has a lot of damning things. I mean, they, they have 25 people watching their games in a lot of cities, and the guy that they chose to run it is an uttering buffoon in this Rob Manfred guy. This Manfred guy, whenever he speaks to the public, he called his own trophy, the commissioner's trophy, a piece of metal. He basically diminished every single thing that has ever happened in baseball, all the while not being able to make contact with the people he's talking to. People don't like Roger Goodell, right? For obvious reasons, because the NFL has passionate fans, loyal fans. It's the best league in the world. So whenever you're the commissioner, you're going to have to make hard decisions. He's made some bad ones, I think. I think he's made some bad decisions, but every decision he makes, 
is in the middle of a fishbowl. It is going to be magnified to the 10th. This Manfred guy I didn't even know existed. That's how irrelevant baseball is. I didn't even know this guy existed until this week. And he's 0 for 10 in one week in my eyes. And he still has a job. He's still going to be the face of baseball. And this guy is the worst commissioner of anything. I've seen fantasy football leagues commission better <laughs> than this Manfred guy who called his own World Series trophy a piece of metal this week. He's the one who gave immunity to these people that all these other players are like, no, you don't give immunity to what they're doing. He's just a complete scumbag it feels like and just get another black eye on baseball is the person that you've chosen to lead it is the dumbest human on earth ty you're a baseball purist you love the baseball i assume that this has been a bad week for the state of baseball especially in letting the world find out who the hell rob manford is yeah at first it was uh it was kind of awesome because like you mentioned like baseball doesn't get talked about at this point you know it's like okay it's back in the news like more people are talking about it but then as this has dragged on and the astros have looked worse and worse and then you couple it with the biggest buffoon in the United States <laughs> Rob Manfred so a little interesting tidbit he was the general counsel for the MLB and he investigated the biogenesis scandal oh great so, we so love he, general counsel oh, so, so he's him. familiar with that yeah he said when he became commissioner his primary goals were youth outreach hasn't done that uh, I mean like the average age of the viewer for baseball is probably like 65 years old maybe 70. Um, embracing technology well congrats you buffoon you know we <laughs> went a little bit too far with that quickening the pace of play that hasn't slowed happened. down somehow and strengthening player relations which he basically just nuked you know this entire week I've never seen an entire league of players come out and say hey our commissioner's an idiot I know like the entire league now when we first had Tucker Barnhart on immediately upon by the way gold glove winner front of the show I don't hate baseball players just the sport of stuff to watch Tucker Barnhart came on and was like you know it wasn't technically against the rules for the garbage can banging he as a catcher like almost felt as if it was the catcher's faults for not listening to that and catching on but then the more and more he rolled on he's like oh this is disgusting like this is not something like every baseball player has been like this is not some you don't earn this is not earning a championship is what everybody said the one Giancarlo Stanton or whatever said I would hit 80 home runs if I knew what was coming like he he, he would have. And people have told me that are in baseball where they're like, Pat, you, if you knew what was coming, you'd be able to hit home runs. I'm like, I stepped in a plate against a guy I knew was throwing a fastball and I could barely get it out of the infield. <laughs> so I don't know if that's accurate. But they say that the, the information the Astros were getting was like the most deceiving thing potentially in the history of the sport. Like that's how disgusting it was. And the GM or the commissioner of the league was like, all right, you guys tell us what you did. Well, no punishment at all. And they're like, uh, well, that's what we did. We had buzzers on our chest. We, were, uh, we had a robot breaking down the algorithm. Uh, we basically knew what everybody was going to do. He's like, that's it? Yeah. Okay, good. We'll just bury this. Hope nobody ever finds out about it. And now everybody's finding out about it. He's like, oh, well, well, uh, I'm an idiot. Yeah, that's basically what's happening. And I know like some people were saying the players were being dramatic in terms of like this altering guys' careers, but it's true. Like a pitcher comes up and gets absolutely shelled by these guys are cheating, goes back down to the minors. Guess what? Never comes Gone. up again. There's a very, very simple solution to fix the MLB. What is Very it? simple. A- don't punish the guys who are taking steroids for an entire season. A guy on the Astros just got pinched again. He's out 162 games. They've basically already said, hey, this cheating stuff, much worse than steroids. So why is there no punishment for this? And then guys who – because steroids doesn't guarantee that you're going to go out and hit 80 home runs. I mean, if, if it's a competitive advantage, give that competitive advantage to everyone. Let everyone do it if they want to. Two – let people rip videos online. That, oh, that, that is why I hate them, I think, because I am an internet human. Yeah, the MLB is like the Gestapo when it comes to trying to, you know, put anything yes. of, about your league out there. They'll 
the good news for them though is there's really nothing we'd want to put out there. <laughs> exactly. I mean, sometimes they, they'll they'll be like big bombs, cool fights, that kind of stuff. Well, there was a one time there was a bird flying around the stadium. Oh, yeah, and he yeah, yeah, into yeah. the thing. That yeah, was yeah, funny. Yeah. But, yeah. And I mean, then they have the falcon uh, during the national anthem. Yep. Normally, yeah, that, lands on the person's. Uh, arm. Yeah, yeah, that type right. of stuff. Third yeah. thing, let the, let the pitchers uh, nail these guys from the Astros. Absolutely. This is baseball, right? This is like the intricacies of baseball. Like, it, hey, you do our guy wrong, we're going to do you wrong. Exactly. Especially Bregman said uh, on a podcast that one of his like favorite parts about baseball is that when guys do something wrong that they get hit like it's an unwritten rule so let pitchers nail these guys hit them in the, you know i mean obviously Whoa. not try to hurt them or anything like that but like these guys deserve oh, they they deserve their comeuppance and then lastly cut 40 to 45 games off the season so that we're not starting when snow's on the ground in march and it's cold as hell in october you're playing in the summer months you're done by the time the nfl rolls back around and maybe more people will watch baseball. here here ty schmidt <laughs> you'd be a better commissioner than that idiot i've seen on the internet the last couple of days by the way I haven't seen him on tv only seen him on the internet which is weird because the MLB hates yeah. <laughs> Sorry for interrupting this <laughs> fabulous conversation. I mean, we were really talking good. Mm -hmm. Huh? Oh, yeah. Hey, I was proud of what we were talking. Yeah, great stuff. I mean, you're not going to hear that anywhere else. I was like, you know what? Those guys right there, the way they're talking, good. You know? <laughs> I hear you. Really good. People are even saying about the conversation that they just listened to. They're like, hey, happy that one of those guys didn't die from coronavirus in Hawaii. Absolutely. And I'm thankful for those people that are saying that because I think that guy that, that you're saying that about is thinking the same thing. I'll take all the coronas, hold the virus. Hold the virus. <laughs> um, with the ever-increasing number of makes of cars, you know? Mm -hmm. You got Fiat. Sure. Kia. Yeah. Hyundai. Yep. Honda. Mm-hmm. Jeep. Yeah. GM. Yeah. Yuka. Nope. I miss it. Chevrolet. Chevy. Ford. Yeah. Cadillac. list goes on and on. Genesis, uh, Eagle, Lincoln, Saturn, Ferrari, Tesla, Lamborghini, Audi, uh, Volvo, Beamer, <laughs> Mercedes. Did you already use that? No, but I was just in Germany, though. That's like in, <laughs> in my head. I couldn't. Maserati. Uh, Go to Italy. Ferrari, Lambo. Anyways, there is it. a never-ending number of car mix these days. And models. Now, let's go. Pacifica, <laughs> Civic, <laughs> Wrangler, Camry, Yukon, Escalade, Sport. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> it is now impossible to stock all of the parts you could potentially need for a car in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure the often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? Excuse me, is your car the Odyssey LX, PX, DX, OX, or EX? It's like, I don't know. I fucking bought it two years ago. They're like, well, what type of thing is this? It's kind of an intimidating thing because you feel like an idiot because you don't know every single thing about your car, which is what the people at the chain storefront need. And all they're going to do is type it into their little computer, and they're only going to be able to offer you whatever they have in the store. And that's why Rock Auto is a very, rockauto.com is a very different operation. They have everything your car could potentially need, and it's very easy to utilize. Rockauto.com is a family business business serving auto part customers online for over 20 years. Go to rockauto.com and shop for auto and body parts from hundreds and hundreds of manufacturers. They have 
have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet for your damn car. Oh, nice. Everything you could possibly need, rockauto.com has. Your traditional chain storefront just can't have everything that they have at rockauto.com. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals as do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same damn parts go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck write mcafee in there hey how'd you hear about us box so they know that we sent you that's right mcafee in there hey how'd you find out about us box so that they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car could ever need right now at rockauto.com Hey, great show today, Ty. You really did great out there. Hey, appreciate it. You too, Pat. Hey, you know what? Thank you. I needed to hear that. Glad to have you back. Yeah, you too, man. Thank it's you. a long time without a microphone in front of me. I had a lot to say, a lot of things to talk about. The world's changing, but this never will. The fact that we love doing this show, and I'm very thankful you chose to listen today. Um, tweet us, please, at Pat McAfee Show. Your favorite storyline of the week in the sports world. You might get mentioned on the next show, which comes out tomorrow. We can't thank you enough for everything. Ty Schmidt, please play some independent music.